In today's episode, we're going to be talking about pros and cons when it comes to buying and outsourcing creative content. Um, we'll also talk about the challenges that creatives face when outsourcing each of those options. Um, so Yeah, because be DIY fantastic. isn't just for mediocre house repair. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around. Let's get to it. everyone. Welcome back. My name is Catherine. And I'm Will. And we are Open Pixel Studios. Open We're the co-founders. Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point, we should remind, re-remind people who we are and yeah, what we do yeah. for a little bit, just because, you know, it might be that people are finding us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, through different platforms. And through their besties. they might start here instead of starting at episode zero. So who are we? What are we doing? Yeah. So we are the co-founders of Open Pixel Studios. We're a women-owned animation studio out in Springfield, Massachusetts. And we basically help companies expand with the medium of animation. Yeah. That's what we're here for. We've been doing it for the last six years now. And uh, yeah, but this, you know, why we're here right now in in your video setting or audio setting. <laughs> Whichever setting you prefer. Exactly. Uh, this is Behind the Pixel. It's an open pixel podcast, and it's the podcast where we try to bridge the knowledge gap between those who buy creative content and those who make it. Uh, as a quick question, Will. Yes. Uh, where would you say is your current knowledge gap? Ooh, knowledge gap. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, I really don't know anything about gap insurance. That's a thing? Yeah, gap insurance. Okay. A lot of people talk about it. Yeah, I guess I I know yeah. nothing about it either. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's such a thing. I don't know which kinds of gaps it covers. Uh, <laughs> does it cover, uh, I don't know, like all gaps? Like, is it a stop gap? Does it cover like I see where you're your going. clothes at the gap? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, similar to comparing different insurance options, I guess. Uh, why don't we jump into today's topic? Yes. So... In today's topic, we'll explore where you can buy animated content and the pros and cons between those different options. Yeah, because there's a lot of different options. Lots of different options. So uh, one of the problems we notice with some of the clients that we work is that they need to get some outside help to get the animation done on time. I think that's across the board. Some of the things that we've seen, people that we work with have also talked about that. And as a result, they can turn to many different options. Uh, you have tons of options out there. And so in this episode, here's what we're not talking about. We're not talking about using your internal creative teams. Mm. Like that is a whole other thing. And you absolutely can do that when you're working with in-house. You, you have a, a ton of options there that we can sort of mention right now, but we'll cover in a, on a later episode. You can upskill your current workforce. You can hire new talent, bring some new people in that have some skills that maybe your in-house doesn't have. You can learn the tools yourself, depending on how big you are as a as a business or agency, or you can use templates. Um, and there's a lot of template options. Again, I think we mentioned we're going to have a, a whole episode on templates. But when going internal with animated content, each of those approaches that I just mentioned have their own pros and cons. And again, we'll get into that in a different episode. Yeah. I mean, one can say that like we as OpenPixel, we really need like an in-house episode director for Behind the Pixels to help. Keep a track of all the things that we say yeah. we're going to cover later. All the, yeah, yeah, all the episodes that we have on the back end. Like There's we have a so lot much planned. To cover. It's yeah. so much to cover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we should track those. But before we get redirected, 
uh, do a little 303 here. Mm -hmm. Let's describe what we are covering today. What we are talking about today is the seemingly unlimited options that marketers have when they're outsourcing animated content. So not doing it in-house when they're buying. Going to the outhouse. They're going. Yeah. Yeah. That's a <laughs> reference to a previous episode. But yeah. When you have a bunch of those options, that's when things can get really complicated. Yeah. And that can mean it's actually really hard to know where to look for animated content. It's hard to determine what the best option for you is going to be. Mm. And that makes it hard to trust like what you're going to be getting and knowing what you're going to be getting and the goals of the content that can actually be achieved for your piece. So that whole outsourcing process can be intimidating right from the start. Yeah. And then on the creative side, the problem actually changes depending on where and how the artist is being hired. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about their problems within the context of the outsourcing option. So it's a little bit of a departure from what we've been doing in the past, but we don't want to make any blanket statements around how creatives feel throughout all these options because they're entirely different depending on your relationship with that particular option. Right. And we know that because this is a departure, it's a little bit of a change from what we normally do. Mm. So take a moment, you know, take a breath. It's okay. Let's embrace the change. We embrace know it's hard, but Trust us, uh, you'll understand when we get there. <laughs> so what we'll do is list out the options, name some of those options, talk about the pros and cons, and then address some of the creative point of views within those options. Um, For sure. That, that creatives might face. Yeah. But what won't change here is that I'm going to start by giving the marketer's point of view, and then we can jump into some solutions there and we'll go back and forth. Yeah. So brace yourselves, everyone. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm taking the role of the marketer's POV here. Basically, as a marketer, I want to know all of my possible options before I move forward into making animated content. I don't want to just Google it because I know that typically on Google, the people who pay for their thing to be seen first is what's going to come up first. And they might not actually have the best interest in mind for what I'm trying to work on. I paid the most. I'm at the top of the list. You're going to see me first. Right. Right. Which could be good or bad, <laughs> depending that's, on the situation. So uh, what I might do instead is I might start by asking somebody I know and trust because yeah. trust is something that you don't want to lose. hard to come by these days. Yeah, 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 that's fair. I might start to also do my own research into those options, right? If, if that person gives me multiple options to go off of, then I can do my own research into there. They're giving me basically a head start. And I can get a sense of what each of these different processes is like. Yeah. And I might even try to go as far as getting multiple estimates or quotes from different sources and sort of compare between the two. And the goal ultimately I, is that I want to get to know a little bit more deeply who I'm going to be working with so that I can build that trust too. It's long term. Long term yeah. relationship. But the problem for me is that there's no really one place to lay out all of those different options clearly. So it's a little overwhelming. I, I wish I just had something where it was easy and I could just be on the beach and lay out in the sun and everything's comfortable and nice. Yeah. Like or, or lay out like a really nice design. Yeah. Or like yeah. a really nice spreadsheet. Yeah. Lay out a spreadsheet. Shout out to all our business folks who you can lay love out a, laying out nice spreadsheets. Can lay out your laundry. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or lay out a baking sheet. You oh, you're you're still going. Sheet. I see. <laughs> um, you can maybe lay out that bathroom tile. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of other things you get 
you lay. <laughs> All right. You, well, can buy, you can buy some Lay's potato chips. Boy, okay, you're on a roll. So why don't we lay out all of the options that people have for all the people who are starting to think about outsourcing animated content? Where can yeah. they actually go to? All right. So we're going to try to be unbiased here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go through each option sort of in succession as to like most involved to mm-hmm. to least involved with the creative process. So sure. Think about it like that. So your first option, if you're going to be the most involved, is your DIY, the do-it-yourself animation tools that are out there. There are plenty of tools out there that are browser-based animation solutions to doing it yourself. You can work either with designs that they've already provided. Usually they provide you with a bunch of templates. You can also work with the assets, the creative graphics and things that you have already. You can import those into the platforms and you can start animating on your own. Right Um, away. Today. Today. Right now. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's pros and cons. So pro, they're cheap. They're really yeah. cheap. They're an alternative to any other approach. They're probably the the sort of the, the cheapest option right now. And, you know, that could be a pro or con <laughs> depending on how you view that price point. So it could be a, a big pro for you uh, in terms of your size, maybe your team, maybe you have a small team, maybe you're a team of one. Yeah. That's, that. Th- those are people. Um, <laughs> those are people. <laughs> and then another pro is that you're in full control of everything that is going on in the program that you're creating that content in. Right. Instead of asking somebody, hey, can you move this? You can just move it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're doing the the WYSIWYG of... of the, the what? The WYSIWYG. <laughs> what is that? You don't know what WYSIWYG no, is? No, no. WYSIWYG is um, what you see is what you get. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a terminology. It's it's um, it's in the developers. World. I see. Yeah, I I you know WYSIWYG. I, I do some development uh, on the back end, mm-hmm. and WYSIWYG is just like what you see. You learn that. something new every day. <laughs> some cons here that we should talk about. Yeah, obviously, it's tedious and it's time consuming because yes. it's it's all on you as the person who's maybe not a creative doing mm-hmm. some of these these things. These programs aren't really built for animators. Yeah. <laughs> because we've used some of them. And therefore they they miss a lot of the complexities that animators have inside their toolboxes when they go and animate. It's usually a single tool instead of what, you know, a Swiss Army knife is, is a good comparison. There's a ton of tools and programs that animators use that have all different kinds of things that they can do within that. That they switch custom. back and forth between. Yeah. yeah. Whereas usually the tools online are very limited in their platforms. And that's intentional though too. Right? Yeah. Because they, want they don't to want make... you to move that much, that much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, they want to make the process yeah. easy for you too. True. Yeah. Another con here is that it's difficult to get the quality of motion that you're looking for. You might have a set standard quality from like a template that they provide you, but it's extremely hard to get something that actually looks good and is representative of your brand all at the same time. Yeah, it's hard to change tone in terms yeah. of motion style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't really take into account that separation between visual style and motion style. It's mm-hmm. just like, here's the motion that we give you. Right. And that could be good or bad. Again, depending, it's a con for us because it feels like, you know, motion should be branded to what your brand feels like and looks like mm-hmm. and, and behaves as. So we've tried these tools ourselves. I think yes, we, we have. That. Um, and they're really hard to work with, even <laughs> so for us. Hard. They are so hard to work yeah, with. I, yeah, I'll be honest that I don't think I've ever made a worse animation oh before God. in my entire life. And it that's was... even from like the days when I was a student making <laughs> <laughs> making the projects that I made. Oh so yeah. yeah, it is it is difficult. It is very hard. We feel for anybody that's, that's trying to work yeah. with those. Yeah, so... 
Another con here, if you're not a designer or an animator, you may not know how to make the piece better. And I think that's uh, sort of a downside to all DIY stuff, like even not animation, right? You don't really know if you're going to do it yourself, whether or not that's the right approach. It relies heavily on your knowledge of animation. So that could be very little depending on where you are and, you know, how much experience you have with the medium as a whole. And then the last con here is that the animation quality might not meet the needs and expectations of your audience. And your audience has that expectation of your brand, right? So it might actually hurt your brand more than it helps because you're doing templatized stuff and it kind of looks cool, but that might not be actually representative of, of what you're trying yeah, to show. Yeah, I want to acknowledge too, whether that's internally or externally. Right. If your audience is internal and they have an expectation of your brand. <laughs> that's that true. Through. Yeah. yeah. We've done like employee, like employee, employee training, uh, videos. training videos yeah. that, you know, they have a certain level of quality internally. Mm -hmm. it, it hurts morale. I think. <laughs> it um, can. It yeah. Can, right? Yeah. So. Right. Because it might feel quickly put together and not not up to the standard that we know that the brand's capable of. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you get to a point where you're like. Yeah, you know, my supervisor didn't really care about this. They, they put <laughs> 10 minutes into this. Right, thing. right. Like, how should I take that information in mm -hmm. if you didn't put the time in? Yeah, it's you interesting know, to like, think about yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to touch a little bit on this is where we changed our approach a little bit to talk about the creative point of view here. Yeah. So if I'm a creative and you as the marketer, you're going to outsource through DIY tools. I am mostly out of the loop entirely on this uh, yeah. approach, right? And, it, yeah. and that can be a bit scary to yeah. think like, oh, is everybody now going to just switch to DIY tools? And am I, does my role exist anymore? Like that, mm. that's a big fear. But I do recognize that there are people who opt for this option for a variety of reasons. Usually it's that they're looking for kind of the, both the cheapest thing possible and the thing that requires the most creative control from them. Mm -hmm. uh, so they don't have to go to me to change out every little thing all the time. Yeah. But what we see as open pixel happening in this situation is that when somebody outsources through DIY options, we typically find that they realize they need to move into more of a custom solution at some point. And that can be a struggle. On both DIY sides. will only take you so far. Yeah. And at some point you realize it's just not cutting it because every time you're probably redoing it and you're paying more and you're basically paying more to hit the redo button. Mm -hmm. Every single time. So. <laughs> you never want to pay for a redo button. Uh, can you imagine? Any, yeah. Every time you undo. It, that's like pay to play, but like way, like awful. <laughs> like, well, I guess pay to play is what also. If you had to pay for every undo that you do? Oh my God. Oh boy. It's two cents though. Yeah. It's very little. No, nobody, nobody <laughs> take that idea. That's a, that's a terrible, there's a difference between bad ideas that's and terrible, terrible ideas. ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so what, that was the first option that we have. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about the next yeah, option? So moving up the sort of ladder here. So the next option is freelancer platforms and databases. Uh, this is obviously uh, the gig economy is what we're really talking about. Some of the most famous platforms include Fiverr, Upwork, Freelancer.com, lots of platforms. These platforms basically connect you with a freelancer. Mm -hmm. That's their entire real job, right? Most of the time, it's an individual. Sometimes it's a company. You can find companies on there. Some allow you to look through individual profiles to find someone that you'd like to work with. And they also require you to post your job and the requirements of your job that you're looking to create. 
Yeah. Sometimes it can be like a long form and sometimes it can be just a short yeah. couple sentences. Yeah. Depends on the platform. Yeah. So pros and cons here. Going into the pros, you have a, a review system, much like Yelp or Google or I don't know. Is there a different review site? I don't know. Apple <laughs> Apple Podcast. I mean, any, anything that has a review system. Mm-hmm. You can read through people's reviews that people give them. There's star ratings oftentimes. So you get to see what they've done for other people, which right. is kind of nice. There's a pricing system. So you can see what someone is going to charge you, depending. It could be on an hourly basis. It could be on a project basis. Really depends on the platform, depending on how they're set up. There's messaging systems. That's another big pro. So, And oftentimes, the platform will force you to communicate directly with the freelancer through their messaging system so that they have a record of what was actually said, just in case if there's anything that goes wrong, because lots of stuff yeah. goes wrong. Should always have a record. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, it's it's all kinds. Another pro is that it's all kinds of work. So it's not just limited to creative work. You can get developers on these platforms. You can get a, like a lot of technical work, but something like, you know, TaskRabbit, you can get a plumber to your house mm-hmm. and, you know, try to find try to find someone. So not limited to creative stuff. Another pro, and this is subjective, is that they claim to be fast. And, you know, they're generally sort of this cheaper, faster option. We connect you with a with a freelancer really quickly and they get you back your work really quickly. Right. Get your project um, made yesterday. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yesterday? What's beyond yesterday? Uh get your project done in the past. <laughs> <laughs> we do, yeah, we connect you with time travelers to take you back in time. So you already have your project. Yeah. Today. Oh my God, in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. They claim to be fast and, you know, cheaper, faster therefore better. I think that's usually what people kind of think about. Yeah. But I think we all really, most of us will probably know the saying, you know, cheaper, faster, or better pick two. Uh, That is, that is a common phrase in the industry. Does not equal better. Yes. (laughs) Um, Which brings us to the cons. Yeah, Um, for sure. Long list of cons here. We have a ton of issues with platforms. We're not necessarily against platforms, but we do have some issues with the current platforms that are out there. So one con is that they require you to have some level of expertise in animation, if if that's what you're looking to you, get You, the, the marketer. You, the marketer. You, the person mm-hmm. doing the request, right? Because you need to know, to some extent, exactly what you're looking for. I mean, usually on these platforms, they have a big old box that says description of your job. Mm-hmm. And you're looking to put in all of that knowledge that you already know. With as much clarity as you possibly can. Yeah. So there's no format around that, specifically for animation, because- that's not what they're built for. They're <laughs> built for the connection, not necessarily for extracting the right information. Mm. So depending on the platform, you'll need to input those requirements and you might not exactly know what it is that you need, especially if, yet, it's, yeah. Yeah, if it's a medium that you're working with that's new, like animation, you might not know exactly what you're needing out of that description. But um, hopefully... Through behind the pixel, you will have some knowledge to go off of that will give you that level of expertise that you need to work on your next project. Good upsell. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Often we've seen things on these platforms like, you know, quote, need a two minute explainer video and no context whatsoever on strategy and (laughs) what the project entails, what style type we're talking about. Does it include characters? What kinds of assets do we need to make? All the things that help determine the price. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And also that determine how the freelancer approaches that project and what creative decisions they're going to make. And so, you know, a big disconnect there. Another big con is 
additional fees. Mm -hmm. So the fee structure for these platforms kind of changes depending on which platform you're doing. But some charge on a recurring basis because you're consistent. You know, you're consistent. They're, they're, they're a SaaS company. They're mm -hmm. software as a service. They're charging recurring. Some are based on the freelancer. So the freelancer has a rate. They're charging you a thing, and then they'll do a percentage of that rate. And actually, most platforms actually charge twice. So they'll charge you for putting up the job, and then they'll charge the freelancer for taking the job. So they're actually getting paid twice to make a single connection. Right. Which, right. you know, no shame on them. That's how they're running their it's business. It's a business model. It's a business yeah. model. It's just um, one thing to keep in mind. The other sort of con um, is that you're searching through a, a pool of mixed level talent. And what we mean by that is, you know, the, the industry as a whole, the animation industry hasn't really defined what it means to be a junior or a senior or a mid-level. Right. Mean, it's just in the title, but you could Sometimes be a, it's just years of experience, but yeah. you can have years of experience and maybe not be at the at the right level you need Correct. to be. Like there's there's so many ways you can misinterpret that. Right. So the con here is that the platform is charging you to get someone who could have a lot of creative talent but doesn't actually have a lot of experience working on multiple clients or m working with clients through their process and workflow. Right. So it's a double-edged sword. So you have to kind of decide what kinds of risks you want to take when going to these platforms mm -hmm. with a specific person. And then the other last con here is that, you know, again, pro or con, kind of your view on it, it's, it's global. The platforms are global. They're not necessarily tied to uh, the US. So you could run into a language barrier. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. I think famously, I think it was Upwork who put in a, a, a checkbox button that said like, only show this job to the US clients or something like that because mm -hmm. they were getting so many issues with language barriers on projects. So most projects require multiple revisions. You're going back and forth. And sometimes that language barrier can come into play. Yeah. Which yeah. I would say as a, as a quick side note solution here, mm -hmm. you know, if you're running into language barriers, you could just learn a new language. Yeah, <laughs> that right. is one aspect, right? Nihongo ga hanasemasu. Mm. There it is. <laughs> We're learning right. Japanese. Yes. So learn new languages. It's actually a, a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. Yes, it takes time, but could be worth it for the long run. Yeah. To help expand your capacity too. If you know somebody that's super talented, but you know there's a language barrier there, help it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we've talked a lot about the pros and cons here. I want to talk from the creative's point of view again. Yeah. So... For me as a creative, if I'm a freelancer, I'm setting up a profile and it's actually, you know, pretty easy to do for the most Super part. Simple. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a nice portfolio of work that I can pull from and I can showcase and I probably have profiles at all of the platforms that I possibly can, right? Because I want to get exposed as much as possible to the different clients. But what that means is that selling my service can actually be a lot harder because yeah. my potential customer has so many different options to choose from. How do I convince them that going with me either directly or going through this platform or wherever it might be is the right way to go? And I might not have thought about selling my services through a platform, right? I might have thought about it from just making a website or whatever or going through Instagram. And so because I might, I might, I, I need the work, right? I need this work to come in. So in a way, I have to use the platform. And as a result, I'm now competing against all of these other creatives. And I might have to reduce my price to get the amount of projects that I need. Or at least you feel like you do. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I feel like I'm just doing that whole thing that we see in the creative industry of racing to the bottom. Yeah. And that's frustrating. Yeah. So it's important to kind of remember from sort of the marketer's point of view, when you're getting this outsource work from these platforms, 
you, the marketer, you, the communications person, whoever's buying the content, you might not be paying the creative what they're actually worth. So have a conscious lens when going through and searching through those platforms because the platforms incentivize creatives to basically fight each other on price. Yeah. And the more we fight, the more we get paid, they get paid, you know. And so it's, yeah, it's it's, it's it's a lose-lose situation there. Yeah. And I cannot stress this enough that people deserve to be paid for their time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that includes us. I want to acknowledge that. <laughs> so if for any reason you're thinking about becoming a sponsor for this podcast, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> trying to throw in a little thing that we're not taking sponsorship, don't worry. <laughs> Just throwing that in. So Another option. Yeah. Yeah. Moving along. Right. Um, So if we're talking kind of staying in the freelancer realm, right? We talked about platforms, but another option that you have is just hiring an independent freelancer. So directly, direct to freelance. Yes. This is someone who is paid for the thing directly. D2F, direct to freelancer. (laughs) There you go. That's that's not going to catch on, but sure. Uh, So typically, we've seen freelancers hired for tasks within a specific stage of the animation workflow, though this is not always the case. Sometimes a freelancer can get hired from start to finish on a project. So some of the pros that you have here are that you're having direct contact with that freelancer, right? You don't have to go through a platform or a third party or a middleman. You don't get charged Uh, for connecting with someone. Exactly. You're not getting charged. So you get the direct contact with them and you get to maintain that contact. I mean, you could just send them a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn. Right. It's actually super easy to to connect with them. Why would I have to pay someone else? (laughs) Right, right. Another pro here is that their workflow is typically customized Mm -hmm. to their own needs. So based on the work that they do, both their tools, their workflows, and their systems are actually custom to how they operate. And what that means is that you don't actually need to fit your project request into sort of this one size fits all platform. Yeah. Uh, Usually so, just an open box that says description. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So the way in which you're requesting that work to the freelancer is actually going to be a lot easier because they can help guide you through their workflow and you can get a better sense of what that process is like. They'll be the ones to kind of ask you those questions that you need to get to get to that correct like budget for the project. So they're going to be helpful in in guiding you through that process. Yeah. A third pro here is just consistency. You know what you're going to be getting stylistically for every project that you work on with them, which is a beautiful thing (laughs) to not have to question it, to say, like, I know what they're capable of doing. Here it is. I know what I'm getting. Yeah. And that's that's great. Yeah. That's like, you know, consistency across both communication, but also style. Yeah. You know, on in other options, I think sometimes when you get into multiple animators on a project, it's a little bit harder to get consistent animation and motion across the project. So Right. We'll talk um, about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. But I want to take a second here to shout out all of the great, fantastic freelancers that we've worked with over the years. Yay. We us, love them. Um, we love yeah. all our freelancers. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's one that that's something to maybe keep in mind that on our side as studios, we're also hiring freelancers. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. there's it's there's a beautiful market of freelancers that you should consider hiring. Yeah, we have our own database that, you, that feel free if you're a freelancer to to check that out. You know, a different kind of platform, but yeah, yeah, we're trying to find ways to support freelancers on multiple fronts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to talk about some of the cons? Yeah, it is to acknowledge that. Because we're that going, said, there are pros and there are yes, cons. So let's yes. let's talk about it. So um, as a marketer, you're going to need to be active about staying compliant with different state laws, right? Because you might be hiring people from different states and also all over the world, right? Yeah. 
So each state in the U.S. has different thresholds for what they define as what a freelancer is, or you might see it as a contractor. So you need to look at those laws to make sure you're staying compliant. 10, uh, 1099. Yeah. An example is that if you continuously hire one person over the course of a year for a certain amount of hours or a certain amount of you know yeah. time in the schedule, the state might actually consider them a full-time worker. Yeah. And this actually, it, it goes to the last option for the platforms. It's a big selling point for the platforms. Mm to hire them instead of hiring a freelancer directly. Right, because they'll try to make sure you're staying compliant. Correct. It's all about compliance, whether or not, you know, if you're talking about a giant corporation like Pepsi or Coke or, you know, some big entity like that, the platforms are saying, hey, we keep you compliant. If mm -hmm. if we go through, like, I don't know if if you're a freelancer out there that's on some of these platforms, they'll actually call you. If you've only had one job through their platform, they'll call you and triple check that you have other invoices out to other companies and, and clients. Right. So, so know, they are doing a little bit of, of that legal front. Yeah. So it is just a note that you won't get that if you're just hiring a freelancer directly. Yeah. Yeah. So another con that we see here is what we're calling the sort of all eggs in one basket problem. And it's basically if a freelancer becomes unavailable for any reason, you know, you run the risk of needing to hire somebody else for that project, which can create some scheduling conflicts and create a little more stress that you might not have been prepared for. Yeah. So a potential solution there is to just always make sure you have like a backup option just yep. in case. But yeah, that can definitely create some issues. One more con that we see here is that costs tend to fluctuate. This is pretty standard. Yeah. Uh, every freelancer will have a different way of charging for their services, which means as always, just a general solution here, always add padding to your budget <laughs> because depending on who you're hiring, especially if you have to bring on somebody else in the middle of a yeah. project, their rate might be different. Yeah. And also in this economy, I mean, I feel like, you know, mm -hmm. in this economy, you're trying to do, you're doing more with less, which mm -hmm. is a, a terrible way of looking at it. But that's, that is the situation that a lot of marketers find themselves in is I got to do way more with a lot yeah. less money. So, and so, right. And it's just keeping in mind that there's no one standard to determine those costs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. keep that in mind. The final con that we see here is sort of a limited skill set. And what that means is that, you know, a freelancer can be incredibly awesome and talented and do amazing work, but they might not be able to meet all of your creative needs, right? If you have different projects with different styles and different challenges that you're working with. So it might be that you, again, need to find somebody else for some other aspect of the project or other things that a freelancer wouldn't be able to provide you. So, yeah. I mean, it's typically why a lot of companies will hire multiple freelancers or have a freelancer database, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's safe to say that, you know, if you studied animation or you're, you're an animator specifically, that you're, you might not be the best designer. Mm -hmm. um, you're really and that's good okay. At, you're really good <laughs> at motion and less on the design. Part. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's what we mean by limited skill set. Yeah. yeah. On that kind of front, what other things we'd love to know in the comments, what other things you've hired freelancers for? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you talk to us a little bit about the creative point of view here? Yeah. So uh, depending on my experience as a creative, I may or may not be used to freelancing. So it, it depends on who you are as a freelancer. You might be just starting out. Some people have been freelancers for decades. They've been all over the industry, very well-known freelancers out there that that work solo. So I think solo. Sometimes though, I 
get put into a position where it feels like I need to do everything that the client wants. I think that's a position that freelancers are, are consistently in, which can get frustrating, especially if I have multiple clients doing sort of the same things to me, or I'm in a position where I'm a new freelancer. Maybe I want to impress and like make sure that I get everything done on time and with their expectations, or I'm in a position where I'm running short on time and that could be a little bit of a hiccup. So in right. all these scenarios, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's, from my perspective as a creative, I'm, I might be ebbing and flowing from being comfortable with a client to being, being sort of constricted by a client. Sure. I think that's fair to say. If I'm a seasoned freelancer, I have probably a typical workflow that I have that works really well for me. Um, but I might be actually running into with newer clients some misinformation on terminology that people are using when they're in the conversations that I now have to go through. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I probably find myself explaining that over and over and over again <laughs> to many different clients that yeah. are new that don't that don't quite know how to use those terms. We right. covered this in a separate episode on terminology. We did. Um, it's not all the terminology that you need to know, but it's it's some of the ones that we come across for sure. Um, it doesn't, this, this misinformation problem doesn't prevent the work from happening, right? So you still kind of get the work done, but it makes the conversation a little bit harder. Communication can sort of fall because you're not quite expecting the right, the right things yeah. uh, on both sides of those, yeah, that's those fair. conversations. And misinformation, uh, f for the algorithm's sake, uh -huh. is Go not on. <laughs> only applicable to elections and vaccines. That's all I'm saying. Sure, sure. I <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Misinformation is everywhere. So hopefully we're providing you with, with as much truthful information as, as possible. Um, <laughs> as a freelancer, I'm basically a business. Uh, I'm a solo business. Uh, solopreneur is a, is a thing. But I want to build relationships directly. I have those relationships that I know I want to reach new clients, but I, I might actually have my own marketing problems, right? I'm, yeah. I'm a business with marketing problems. I just have one person at my business. This whole topic is like a whole other episode, really. Yeah. And we can talk about it in the future. If you're interested, we're not really here to teach freelancers how to be better business owners. Well, because there's other programs there's that are so out there. There's so many programs yeah. out there that are fantastic, by the way. Yes, that you um, should look into if you're a freelancer. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, we can name some, but mm -hmm. we don't want to push anyone in any direction. But mm -hmm. if you're a freelancer and you, I would absolutely look through those options because they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, you know, I don't think we're actually qualified to uh, talk about being really good business owners. <laughs> Reminds me of like a, like I'm shaking an eight ball right now <laughs> and, it, and I'm looking at it being like, you know, are we qualified? Looks hazy. Try again later. <laughs> Which brings us to the next option. Right. Right. The animation idea studios. of hiring an animation We're studio. We're going to take a hard look at ourselves. Yes. Um, We're doing some yeah. introspection here yeah, yeah. Uh, to provide hopefully some, some clarity around so, yeah. pros and cons. Here. Tell us about that option. Yeah. So if you're hiring either an animation studio or you might call it a production company. You know, I what, wanna... I, you know what I heard? Sorry yeah. to cut you off. No, but you okay. know what I heard? Prodco. Prodco. Yeah. Boy. <sighs> I, I, I saw it. Written and I was like, Prodco. "What is a Prodco uh -huh. production company?" I gotcha. That totally makes sense. Okay, well, I won't be using that, but <laughs> we define a production studio or animation studio as having multiple team members, so more than one, yep. uh, with multiple skill sets that create all sorts of different creative projects, namely in the medium of animation. That's what we're talking about when we define this right now. 
So this is slightly different from what you might know as a creative agency, but we will get there. So hang tight. Or just an agent. Or just an agency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so some of the pros here for working with an animation studio, you are going to have creative flexibility and reliability. So, for example, if one person has to step away from a project, another person within the team can immediately take it on. Mm. And generally, there's always more than one person that has an eye on the project at any given time. Yeah. So there's a level of accountability there in terms of schedule, in terms of creative content. Yeah, you have a little more reliability to make sure that your project's always staying at the forefront. Yep. You also have the benefit of management. Right. Typically, you'll have a dedicated project manager, sometimes on both sides of the project, but almost always within the animation studio. And they're going to help you navigate both the client relationship that you have. And they're also going to help navigate the communication with the artist. So they're keeping everybody on track in the same schedule. That's their primary focus. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> a third pro here is that as a team, you're going to have a deeper understanding of the overall strategy of an animated video project as it pertains to executing on your campaign as a marketer. Mm -hmm. So a team of people is going to be more involved in the different aspects of the production workflow that are going to help to build something that complements your strategy as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the size of your composition becomes really important here. Yeah. Um, the size of your team composition. For sure. You never want a situation where you have too many cooks in the kitchen. No. And it becomes a kitchen nightmare. Oh, boy. Shout out to that show. And boy, you uh, you nailed it. Nice. Yeah. Also a good show. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, you nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a bake-off later. Nice. <laughs> we're going to keep, yeah, we're going to do a whole episode, just bonus episode about our favorite, you know, favorite, uh, cook shows, cook cooking, cooking shows. shows. Yeah. Uh, so what are some of the cons with animation right. studios because as much as we like yeah. to admit we're perfect <laughs> there are definitely cons I, you know, to working. I actually I, sorry i take that back there are no cons <laughs> there are no cons right right uh, all right so I just keep going reality check there are cons <laughs> let's talk about them so one of the cons here is that working with an animation studio can be more expensive right the mm. studio tends to be more expensive because of uh, additional costs that you might not be considering when you're first thinking about hiring them yeah. things like especially if they're in a physical location, dealing with overhead, yeah. right? And if a company's not remote, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, we're, uh, we're remote. We don't have that issue, but- yeah, yeah, but there are different costs that are associated. Yeah. So another thing to think about that's a con is capacity. So this varies from studio to studio based on both the size and the artistic limitations that they have. Studios may take on too much work at one time, right? We're taking on as many projects as we can that because happens. we're trying to survive or we're trying yeah. to like, you know, work on a bunch grow. of cool stuff. We're trying, trying to grow. grow. We're trying to expand. Yeah. And that might mean that one or more projects might suffer on the back end yeah. because of the strain on the creative team. So that's something to keep in mind about maybe even asking a studio how they manage their projects. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking to us and we're working on anywhere from five to as many as like 15 projects in a given month, how do we ensure that everything stays <laughs> intact? Yeah. For and sure. On, and on time. Really, it's yeah. more on time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so something else to think about that's a, a con here is the stylistic range. As much as we might hate to admit this, style choices are also limited within a studio environment. Yeah. Depending on the setup that they have or the total talent that they have at the studio, it also limits the styles that they can hit for your project. And they might have to go and 
hire freelancers or hire other people in-house. Hire other studios. Hire hire other studios. That happens for sure. Yeah. Um, So that's something to keep in mind because that might up the cost on your project as well. Something to consider. Yeah. A final con here that we have is sort of the internal studio dynamics that are mm-hmm. happening within the project. So what are you talking about? There's no issues. <laughs> There's never issues in companies. Uh, so studios will might also hate to admit this, but there's always a layer of office politics Mm. that are going around uh, with other people at the studio who are probably running your project, right? And those politics can sometimes get in the way. They can vary the level of success or effectiveness on a project. So it's really just something to be mindful and looking out for. One thing you could try to determine for yourself is like looking at a studio. Is this studio approaching things on sort of like a Game of Thrones vibe uh, office okay. politics, yeah, yeah, or are yeah. we talking about like Ted Lasso office Ooh. politics? Very two, very different things, right? I believe you are correct, sir. Is that, that uh, that's my like Ted Lasso impression? That's we got to work on that. <laughs> Both shows, very great shows. Yes, fantastic. Very different approaches to team building, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So keep you that know, in mind. Not cutthroat. Uh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Creative point of view in a studio environment. So as a creative working in the industry, the reality is that I'm basically staying employed because of the work that comes into the studio, because of the sales that the studio is giving us. So that means that some projects might not be exactly what I want to work on. Yeah. Right. As a creative, you kind of have these ideas about what you should be working on on your own. And the studio is giving you work that you may not be entirely excited about. Others, I might be really excited about. So there might be different levels of of excitement depending on the projects that come in. As an artist, I never really have considered your marketing strategy, mm. right, at a studio necessarily. I usually, as an artist, leave that to the strategy people because almost always there's a separation there between at the sales point, here's the strategy we're going for. Right. That's there's an established role. That's a them. different set of people, mm-hmm. usually, that that aren't necessarily the people who are working on the project. Right. Um, or the creative directors focusing on the strategy correct. for the artists and then relaying yeah. that information back. Yeah. yeah. So you should just keep that in mind. I, I also really just want to expand my own skill set, right? I'm, again, internally working through some of the stuff. So it's at, artists at studios might struggle between producing the best content that they possibly can for a project that they may not actually believe in. Yeah. So that's kind of the the point of view there usually. And that's a whole, I think that's a whole other episode as well. How do you work on things that you're not super excited about? Yeah, um, that's a big one for sure. Yeah. So it's a whole box of Pandora yeah. that can't be heard on Spotify right now because, you know, we'll do an episode on it later. Sure. <laughs> um, but it's important for studios to recognize this of their artists yeah. uh, and where they are. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, so why don't we jump a little bit further up the ladder here into our last option? So we're talking about now hiring an agency, which we mentioned a little bit before. But I think it's really important to start by defining what we mean by agency here. Uh, So agencies are multiple people again, but they're working on multiple aspects of different business goals for a company or for a client. And this is typically generating more revenue or profit over time. So agencies are developing strategies and executing on campaigns with their internal marketing and creative teams, right? Mm -hmm. 
So you wouldn't necessarily hire them for just a single piece of content. Usually you're looking for a broad range of services that they can provide in this sort of all-in-one inclusive package. Yeah. Uh, so a pro to working with them is that you can work on multiple campaigns at a time, especially if you're a company that's expanding and trying to test out multiple things. The largest agencies have hundreds, if not thousands of people yeah. to all be able to work on your project. They are downsizing today, but, but that's yes, fair. they are still pretty big. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they're set up for a larger scale yeah. regardless, right? So agencies will usually need to work on large projects and longer projects. So they're able to understand the needs at that scale. Yeah. And they're also highly knowledgeable of the different global trends that are happening uh, that might help to make some of your business decisions a lot easier. So, you know, in a way, I can use all of the data that tells me that I need to trend towards a culture of toxic nostalgia, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to 90s con yet? Oh, my God. No, is that a thing? Very nostalgic. Yes, it's here. In, uh, it's in Connecticut. Oh, man. Uh, They're yeah. probably all over at this point. I could see the multiple ones. Yeah. But speaking of cons. <laughs> yes. Uh, Why don't you tell us the about cons. the cons? So top of the list, they're expensive. Number one, agencies tend to be super pricey. You know, they employ lots of people. They have lots of overhead. Therefore, they need lots of money. And you need to be sort of at the top of their list in terms of their client list uh, in order to make this sort of move them to do anything for you. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to you're not going to get that much uh, attention there. Their strategies might not totally align with your morals or your values or your goals. Mm -hmm. Usually your goals, but not morals and values. It depends on the agency, but some agencies tend to have a process for success that you might have a different view on. And if those don't sort of jive and work well, you might face some pushback in unexpected ways. Another big con here is that the results that you get from these agencies could be skewed. Often agencies run reports. They have to run reports to, to prove their effectiveness. That's their whole job, right? So those reports can really be made to say whatever they want, you know. Uh, well, on I the public facing side, they want to look good. <laughs> everybody wants everybody to look Everybody wants good. to yeah. look good. So manipulating numbers kind of comes becomes part of the job. Another con uh, that you may not be aware of, agencies also outsource their creative work. Almost to all, all <laughs> freelancers <agencies>. and studios. <laughs> yeah. So we're on some of those lists. They have an approved vendors list almost always. And they go through that, which usually ends up marking up the price on those things. Right. And then last con here, agency personnel move around a lot. The one account manager might change over the course of the campaign. So, you know, you're running campaigns for about six months to a year. And, you know, the people there might change over the course of the time that you're running that campaign. So the next person might not be as good, might not be as informed. Or companies might merge. All sorts of things can happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk a little bit about the creative's point of view here, working at an agency. As a creative at an agency... I am typically well aware of my role and the function of being a creative here, yeah. right? I'm usually better equipped to understand that sort of why behind what we're doing. Uh, that's yes. because it's talked about more frequently. And I can even work on things really fast, right? And Usually if, I have to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm used to being able to juggle around multiple projects and different timelines all at once. But with that does come this sort of like, base level of stress, yeah. <laughs> right? And it's because the expectations that I'm working off of are quite high now. I need to be able to do it a little bit yesterday. Everyone, everyone's doing more yeah, with less? More with more less. With us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And so sometimes as an addition here, I am dealing with a lot more of those office politics that are going around. Yeah. I might need different levels of approval at 
different points of the production from multiple people, which can actually block some of my creative capability for being able to do the work that you're asking me to do. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about going upstairs and that staircase gets way bigger. At, <laughs> at a bigger agency, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's an escalator at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And in this situation, <laughs> there's a lot more cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more Paul Hollywoods that you're trying yeah. to uh, get a handshake from. Right. And it's and very trying to difficult. Get, like one handshake is hard <laughs> enough. You're trying to do that like multiple times over. I think that... we watch too many cooking shows. That <laughs> That's so, like, fair. There might be too many cooking shows in the world. That's I don't know. That's that's yeah. a debate. Is there enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's it. That's that's the end of the episode in terms of our content. Um, yeah. I mean, hopefully you got a sense of yeah. some of the pros and cons between each of the options that you have, uh, just to give a sense of maybe which one you might be leaning towards yeah. more than another. And it's a long episode. So just a, a little bit of a recap real quick. Yeah. So we have going DIY. Do it yourself. Yep. Find something online that allows you to do some animation. We've got the go on a platform solution. Find a middleman that will connect you to a freelancer. You've got your direct to freelancer situation. You've got your hire a studio mm -hmm. production company somewhere in the middle there. Or you can go all the way up to an agency model that, again, will help you with strategy. Yeah. So we hope are, you can... It'll give you some thought about which options to consider, yeah. which options might be right for you, which options might not be right. And that's also to say that like, you might go with different options at different times, right? You can fluctuate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about the tease a little bit? Yeah. So here's episode? the tease. Tease for the next episode. Our next episode will be another hack. So we got we to gotta get our hack game in order. Short form content. Sure. Um, we also sure. have a bonus episode Ooh. where we talk to a creative who works on creative content. That's awesome. I think last time we talked to a marketing, a sort of a strategy person. Yep. Now we're talking to a creative person to get their sense and whether or not these pains are actually valid. Are we talking out of our asses? Or <laughs> do we know what we're talking Hopefully about? Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very important. How they handle those issues, those communication issues. What is it that they experience? This is someone we haven't worked with before, but we are very excited to talk to. We um, always have person. really, really good conversations. So I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. And we're excited to be on their podcast later on. That'll be a bonus episode for us as well. So it's going to be a special episode. Um, for sure. It'll be great. So Yeah. So at least for this episode, a big thank you to eMedia for producing this podcast. Yeah. Uh, the producer is Jackson Foote. Mm -hmm. And our music was created by Hidden and licensed through premiumbeat.com. Until next time. Ooh, you jumped right into it. I was I was shocked. Usually we usually we, you know, we sigh a little I'm just, bit. I'm and trying we... to get over it. I'm trying to get over it. <laughs> see how this has grown and developed. I'm trying to get so you're prolonging this. I see. <laughs> <laughs> now it's my fault. Uh-huh. Until next time. Stay honest. Stay creative. Stay open. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you could have spent this hour with anyone else. Uh, and we're really, really appreciative that you decided to spend it with us. Yeah, we're happy Thank you're you here. to the um, 13 people who are now following us on Spotify. Huge, and, yeah, huge. But big, we really, big numbers, any big numbers. follow is like super appreciated. Yes, please so. like, comment, subscribe, do the whole thing. Yeah. Whatever, just to tip coins. Give us your tip coins. <laughs> tip coins. It makes a big difference. So we do really appreciate it. Yes. Thank uh, you. Yeah, so audio listeners, stick around for a bad idea.
All right. So hello, audio listeners. Hi. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Just checking in. Uh, as always, we have a bad idea that we'd like to share. Uh, this is probably one of our one of our old oldies, but but goodies. Oldie, but a goodie. Yeah. I don't know when we came up with this. This um, was a while back. Yeah, I, I know it's at back. least, you know, 2018, perhaps. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about my last name. I'm pretty sure when I came up with this. That's fair. Why don't yeah. you, what's your last name? So my last name is, is spelt C-O-L-O-N. It's colon. I, <laughs> I, I, under, I understand that. Right, I, right. I, I if I looked at the, like. if I just looked at the name, I would say, oh, yeah. colon. I yeah. think people have been very nice in trying to say my name differently so that it doesn't sound like colon. <laughs> uh, I've heard Cullen. Mm. I've heard Collins. I've uh-huh. heard, um, it's cologne. Okay, there like, we go. Like perfume, mm. cologne. Right. Um, sometimes I spell it the other way, like cologne, so that people don't. Ah, uh, to make uh, it, uh, like, yeah. yeah, quickly understand. It's that just makes easier. Sense. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I yeah. agree. I think, I think the name came a little bit, or like the idea came a little bit from this. I think so too. From your name. Yeah. So- um, but yeah. we always have to address it by starting to talk about yeah, the problem the, yeah, let's first. Talk about the problem, yeah. yeah. So the problem here is that when you are, let's say you're going out on a date as yeah. a good example, right? That's a good example. So, uh, you know, I'm getting fresh, I'm getting ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps I want- For you youngins, you're, you're, you're going to uh, a club? Y- yes. <laughs> Although these days, I don't want to go to a club. Yeah. Good reference. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's a so, song. It's a song. It is. Uh, so I'm going to, let's say, put on a little cologne or perfume, right? I want to smell, smell good. You want to smell, smell good. good. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a lot of attraction. Yeah. Type yeah. Things. yeah. So let's play this a little further. I'm, go- I'm on the date. It's yep. going really well. Yep. Uh, we hit it off. Maybe we decide to do a little smooching, you know? Getting, getting close. Yeah. Yeah. Getting real close. Because you smell good. Exactly. Right. They're I'm attracted to that. Yeah. So uh, I decide to go in for a kiss, perhaps mm. on the neck where that perfume or cologne was mm. once sprayed. Mm-hmm. I get a little taste mm. and boy, is it awful. Right? It's awful. It's, it's, it's like, disgusting. It's not only just alcohol awful. Mm-hmm. It's like alcohol with chemicals awful. Yeah. 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 It's that bitter taste. It really throws off the vibe. It does. Yeah. It, it immediately like, ruins the moment. It's like a bitter chemical mixture in there. Yeah. yeah. So why not have cologne or perfume that you can also eat? <laughs> Introducing edible, edible cologne, cologne or yeah. perfume, right, whichever, right. you know, all kinds of different smells. Right. There. We will absolutely take any name suggestions for this in the comments. Yeah. We didn't really come up with a good name. Yeah. That's, it's the concept really. It's edible cologne, edible yes, perfume. Yes. Yeah. It smells great. It is all, all natural. natural has clearly. to be. Yeah. Organic. So if you want to go in with the tongue and just lick a neck, that's totally fine right it's like a a safer scratch and sniff kind of situation much much yeah yeah um Um, we also wanted to add a bonus here that some of them can be weed based yes i sprinkle a little thc in there Mm -hmm. now you're really setting the mood yeah different kind of mood but still lick that neck and also get high at the same time (laughs) for those of you who are are the innovations we need you who are not in America, mm-hmm. uh, or even in this state. So Massachusetts has legalized uh, marijuana. Right. Um, and so therefore that that would be possible here. Mm. We understand that we're not advocating <laughs> for people who are not in states well. <laughs> who don't have <laughs> you do uh, you, you weed know? <laughs> that is legalized. Uh, yeah. 
So, but you know, all sorts of options that you can have. So if you want to contribute or add to this great yes. idea, we'd love to hear from I you. T- I could totally imagine an animated like tongue just licking a neck. That's gross. I think you could no. do like, I, I is, could see, I could see an gross, animated right? like perfume thing, you know, sure, sure. like visual effects wise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> There's a lot there. There's a lot of ideas. We need a better name than edible, whatever. Yeah. We'd like, love to hear yeah. your ideas in yeah. the comments, but yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yes. We appreciate you being here and uh, we'll talk to you in the next episode. See ya. Bye.